and metmac.com supporting the New Zealand Mac community. Welcome to another nzmac.com podcast. I'm Loaded Wookie, also known as Darren, and with me tonight is Andrew, also known as APDV1. And tonight's podcast, we're talking about digital video uh, with respects to TV and also the hardware and software um, that we use to uh, view it all with. So uh, I guess we'll jump straight into it, and we'll look first up, look at digital TV. And Andrew, do you want to describe a little bit about your um, setup? Okay, well, I'm using the Elgato 250 Plus, um, which is uh, and the ITV software, which is up to version 3.1.1. Uh, the 250 Plus is a, a dual tuner as it's got an analog side to it and a digital side to it. So it receives the um, uh, over-the-air free view channels and it's got a uh, composite and an S-video input so you can put anything else that you like. So you could digitise um, video cassettes that you've got of, of things. I have it connected to a uh, just a, a normal Sky box so I can record programmes from Sky. Uh, and I'm running that with a Mac Mini, just a, a 183 gigahertz Mac Mini. Sounds like a, a common deal. I've got a very similar setup to, to Andrew, except um, I'm using the Miglia TV Max device. Um, the reason I chose that was because it had the same footprint as the Mac Mini, so um, you know you have Mac Mini sitting on top and the tuner beneath, and um, it's a good little unit. Um, but, yeah, it, it's quite interesting that... Um, you know, a lot of people seem to be using the Mac Mini. It seems to be one of those little units that just screams, um, you know, hidden away media centre sort of a, a jobby, really, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's, I looked at um, Apple TV uh, versus a Mac Mini and decided that the Apple TV was a bit closed in terms of a, in terms of a format, whereas the Mini, there was, you know, there's lots of other options that I could have used it for had this thing not worked. <laughs> mm. You know, um, the, the, the box, the, the uh, 250 plus is, is tiny. You know, it's the size of a, um, it's the size of a cigarette packet, really. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, it's got a USB, one of the mini USB inputs on it that connects into the uh, computer, uh, an RF input, so you can plug into a UHF aerial, and um, a socket for a power supply, and that's pretty well it. You know, then on the on the on the front side of it is the is the connection for the uh, S video, you know, the uh, analog input, um, and and just a place where you point the remote. It's tiny. Yeah, that, that, that's the interesting thing about um, a lot of these uh, this gear for the the Macs is that they tend to be very simple, very straightforward. Um, you know someone who isn't technically minded can pretty much get it up and running uh, pretty quickly, you know it, it's, especially now when you've got like all the ports being um, pretty much um, they can only go in one way only um, well, different with the, the um, RCAs but, you know, they're generally colour coded so unless you're colour blind you, um, you know, it's pretty easy to set up, you can't really get it wrong um, so you know, they're, they're quite a a really good alternative to the the old um, DVD players and the uh, sorry recorders and the VCRs really aren't they? Yeah, well, there's, I think they're far more flexible. Um, mm. the, the, the the best thing uh, 
Well, the best thing, one of the great things with ITV is the ability to have a program guide in it. And there's a website that you can go to where you can download the information for every channel that this country has, whether it be little, something small like Triangle TV, you know, the little lo- local stations that are, or regional stations, uh, all the Sky stuff, um, and and all of the Freeview stuff as well. And uh, you, I download it every week. Um, you could download it every day or every hour if you want to to, to update it. And then you, it's essentially the same as running any other program in a Mac if you want to record something. You click on the button, and at whatever time it starts to record, which is yeah, you know, it, it's probably the it's it's easily the simplest system that I've come across. Yeah. Um, even you know, even better than something like G Code, which was fairly fairly simple to do. But oh yeah, the whole G Code, uh, I remember that. So, so long as you've got so long as you've got hard drive space, um, you you know, it, it's it's it is very simple. It's it is just like using any other program in a Mac, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, that it is. But yeah, the the whole Mac sort of um, idea is really in, in this software, really, isn't it? You, you know, it's just you can't if you know how to program a VCR. It's and in fact, it's a lot easier because you've got a keyboard and mouse, so it's a lot quicker and exactly um, things like that. So yeah, but, um, but on the other, on the other side of it, uh, Darren, um, you don't have to have a keyboard and a mouse. I, I run it all with. I run it all with a universal remote. I, I sometimes use a keyboard and a mouse um, because getting through menus is a little bit quicker, but just going backwards and forwards on a universal remote, um, it's just as easy to do it that way. Yep. And, and then you don't have to have the keyboard and mouse, which is, it puts a few people off, I think, because then it becomes a computer again as opposed to an entertainment centre. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of the tuner, TV tuner, now you're saying the 250 plus, just for those out there, um, that will allow you to connect to the Freeview digital um, stations, won't it? That's right, yep. Yeah, so you don't actually need the Freeview, uh, Freeview decoder as such, do you? No, it's a, it's a digital tuner, so it picks up all of the... Um it picks up all of the digital TV and the and the radio as well. I think national radio and concert uh, broadcasting over there as well. Um, then you've got the uh, all of the channels plus Parliament and what's the other one that uh, makes me laugh? Oh, the Loop. You've got the the HD Loop that, that uh, Freeview put out there just to you know show off what what it can do. Oh, okay, yep. Um, yeah, all in this little box. Uh, and it has an analog tuner in it as well, which I've never used uh, because everything else seems it goes through Sky. Um, but if I didn't have Sky and I didn't have, actually, no, I don't know why. I, if I was, I suppose, if I was out of, um, you know, somewhere where the, the over-the-air digital TV didn't work, then I could still use it to pick up analog the analogs that's out there as well. The the other thing too is, is like you can use that because uh, TV stations like Prime. That isn't available on um, the HD stuff because that's all run through Sky. So you'll be able to use the analog tuner to actually record the the Prime um, broadcast. That's right. That's the, I, I I do get Prime through Sky, but yes, I could I could get to it through the uh, analog tuner that's in the box. Hmm. Um, one thing Phil asked us to talk about was the TV, TiVo um, coming out for. Um, for New Zealand, um, have you had a look at that? What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, 
I've only only what everybody else has read really about what they're not going to do with it, um, like the the being able to skip commercials like you can in America. Um, they've what was what's the other thing? Oh, and the, the the in the future you might be able to download movies through the internet connection and watch stuff from the TVNZ website, but essentially it's I don't think it's going to be anything more than a, a another DV. A digital video recorder with a TVO badge on it at the moment, and a, and, a, and a program guide in it. It seems to be hobbled somewhat, but I, and I, I can't figure out why. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of that would probably be reliant on TVNZ and, and, and the likes, because um, you know a lot of the services that make TVO such a great product in the states is largely down to the fact that there's so much competition in the states. Where in reality, there's only sort of three competing networks in New Zealand. You got Sky, you got um, which operates on its own um, system, and then you got TVNZ and TV3. So you know everyone's sort of not really that worried about recording and things like that you know so they're just they're basically and plus I, I suppose too the uptake of um the likes of the digital um tv and things like that probably isn't as flash as what they thought it would be yeah that's right um so a lot of the services that tivo would have offered um th- and thrown to the fact that new zealand has pretty pathetic broadband although it's starting to get better it's still quite a, a long way off to what um the states have so i, I think a lot of it uh, the features that are hobbled on um on the tivo largely come down to uh, to those couple of factors but um it, it's rather ironic that you can actually sort of get around those limitations with the likes of um, you know the Miglias the, the Elgatos and uh, also even iTunes uh, movie store well that's true uh, it, well, I mean it'd be, it would be nice to have TV in iTunes in this country mm. um, but then you know I, I, you can watch episodes of Lost I think I've seen Lost online on, which is a TVNZ program, and I know that you were able to watch the, um, the Underbelly program that was on just recently as well as a, as a TV3, uh, as a program that's on TV3 that's not a local product. So I, I'm not sure why we don't have TV here. Um, there's, there's TV shows in Australia on iTunes, um, not just the local locally made stuff, but things like House and um, some of the other great American stuff that there is out there at the moment you can get for, is it, I think it's $2 or maybe it's $2.50 an episode, mm. just you know, like, like you can in the American one. Yeah, why, I, that, why that hasn't come here, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I, I would much rather you know pay for um, the TV series and, and sort of have it just... I mean, it worked out, I think it was a day after the, um, the original broadcasting um, yeah, and it's it sort of I think really it, that sort of service, as with anything, is being held up by the big media companies. Um, you know, I, I know like um, those shows that you mentioned, you have to more or less watch them on the web page, and the web page is like it's a pretty pathetic quality. Oh, it's, um, it is totally pathetic. <laughs> yeah, so you know you're not really getting the benefit of the fact that it's available offline, sort of thing. Um, whereas with iTunes, you know, you, you get it at full resolution um, and all that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's too much control over um, 
uh, over the media that you know the, the customer who's really crying out for these um, services isn't really getting listened to because it's controlled by factors out out, out of their means, um, and it's a pain because um, you know we're missing out on quite a bit um, of of TV because of the fact that you know it's all controlled by um, the the networks down here, you know. Yes, and sometimes one channel's buying it and not showing it um, purely so the other channel can't have it and show it. Exactly, yeah. There's, there's, there's still, that still goes on, and then they bury it hmm. uh, and show it at 11.30 at night and say, oh, well, we did show it, and, uh, you know, it's not our fault that nobody watched it, and it rated really badly, and they, yeah. use, they use that as an argument. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, the ratings would have been a hell of a lot better if it would have been... Because I've seen lots of shows like that die because of that, you know? Um, shows like um, Stargate used to be on Fridays at Hubbard... Uh, well, not Hubbard 7, was it Hubbard 8 or something like that? And, you know, had a strong following, and then they decided to switch it to Saturday afternoons and got a badge following, and so they, you know, it sort of went by the by for uh, a good few... Um, seasons until TVNZ decided to pick it up again, you know. There's, there's, there's lots and lots of shows like that. I mean, Curb Your Enthusiasm is a good example. Yep. Um, and 30 Rock at the moment. I, I can't understand how 30 Rock... It, well, I, I, and I, I can't remember the program that it was replaced with, but it was horrible. It was on, on TV3 on a Sunday night, and they just they took it off and they put on repeats of some horrible generic... American comedy, mm. and I, I don't understand that. And I mean, TV three are burying stuff on C four these days. Yeah, that, that's which, sort of their, their throwaway channel, really, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're trying to turn it into their version of MTV, which is take all the music off it and make you know programs that are squarely aimed at teenagers. Yeah, and, and then sort of after eight thirty or nine thirty at night, putting on a few. You know, twenty four is on C four. <laughs> Which is, you know, I, I'm not a fan of 24, but I know that there's a lot of people who are. Um, so I, I don't know how these, you know, how or why these decisions get made, but it all, it all seems like, yeah, it's like hoarding. We've got to have all of the toys so nobody else can have them. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and I, you know, I don't, I don't understand. Again, so it was the same with the movies. It's, it's surely they're better off having them out there and people buying them or having at least the opportunity to buy them than not. Yeah, exactly. So um, the other ones uh, for wanted us to have a look at was the mm -hmm. MySky HDI. What? And to be honest, I have a big problem with this. Um, it's not, not so much the, um, the device itself. My issue with it is um, what they're marketing on TV as opposed to what you actually get. Um, I, I don't know uh, to, to what level you've checked this out, but my dad was going to have a look at it um, until we actually saw what what it cost to actually get the, um, the MySky HDI, so the high-definition version of it, because the MySky HD is actually not... Um, a high definition one that's only the HDI that's high definition and basically what it works out they they tell you that it's uh, $99 and then $15 per month um, for for the unit however that $15 a month is just the MySky part of it the HDI part of it uh, to get that you have to subscribe to the basic channels 
and or Sky Sport, sorry, and Sky Sport or Sky Movies, and pay ten dollars a month. So basically, twenty five dollars a month plus uh, Sky Movies or Sky Sport or the both, um, just to get the HD content. So, so what, what's the extra fifteen dollars a month for? Are you saying that you can't record on it unless you pay an extra fifteen dollars? Um, and then an extra ten dollars for anything that they decide to show in HD. No, no, the the fifteen dollars a month that is the base uh, base unit. So the non HD version of the MySky is fifteen dollars, and that's what they advertise on TV. But to get the HD access ticket, which allows you to watch um, content in high definition. You have to pay $10 a month extra, so now it's already $25 a month, plus you have to have the Sky Sport and all Sky Movies. Because those are the only channels that they show HD content on, right? Yeah, at, at the moment I guess that is the case. Well, I suppose if you have to have the basic package, um, they must be able to distribute um, HD on, on the basic package as well. Um, but obviously they they sort of want to milk this HDI thing, um, so they're not really giving you the big picture on on the um, on the television advertisement. Um, I suppose it's probably there in the um, in the fine print, but I mean, <laughs> unless you're recording the the ad um, and able to read the fine print, then you know they're they're not really telling you the truth about what what sort of. Um, deal you're getting, really, are they? Well, no, I'm reading the fine print right now and I'm struggling to understand what it actually means. Um, but the, the, the thing for me, and I've not looked into it as, as closely as you have, obviously, I couldn't get over the $600 fee and you don't own the box that they want you to pay. Uh, oh, actually... Okay, so that, that, and that they have a way around it where you pay... You, you can pay it off, you pay, and maybe this is the $15 a month thing. Maybe that's what that is. Because I'm not seeing in the ad that I'm looking at, which is in the Sky magazine, anything about the $600 upfront cost for the box, which is when they brought this out, was the thing that I immediately thought, well, why would I want to pay $600 for a box that I'm not going to keep? Mm. Um, and whilst I don't even, I don't want to keep it, uh, I don't want to, you know, it, it, it's... It actually works out a lot worse than that because... Um, oh, yeah. Like if Is you go it... into the My Sky um, thingy, right, um, you click on that $500 joining fee. So it's $599 joining fee, uh, no optional extras. Using the HD ticket, uh, the monthly charge is $60.87. So in the first month, your current package will cost $659.87, and each subs- a subsequent month will cost $60.87. Okay, so it still does cost you money? Yes. Right, so so is that an option? Is there, is there another option, is it, or is it the six, straight 600 up front? Uh, well, no, the, the other option is to pay it off. Um, Ah, I see. Uh, uh, it looks like that if you pay it off, you have to buy the extra 
um, pay for the extra movies. So, say Sky Movies uh, plus the ticket, um, <laughs> you're looking... So, so it's $20 for Sky Movies, it's $10 for the HD ticket, it's $15 a month for the My Sky service. Um, so, you know, what, what they're advertising as $15 is actually really going to work out to be more closer to $30. No, actually, no, sorry, $40. It's looking... No, it's a lot. I tell a lie. It's closer to $50 a month by the time... Uh, and that's... Yeah, so that that's on top of the $50.87 it's going to cost you for the basic package. Yeah, right. So, so d- it's not a cost-effective deal at all. It's definitely not. And if you decide to pay it off, is it a finite amount or is it just go? That was the thing that I couldn't work out either. I, I think it's just like the you could, current boxes, you, you basically pay for it over and over and over again, really. Yeah, so the $600 up front then doesn't actually look so bad if you have it for more than three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of thing with that, that sort of deal. Well, that, that was the thing, and I don't have an HDTV, so it wasn't exactly something that was on my radar. Well, you know, you, there's, no, there's no point in having it. Yeah, you'd be able to save yourself basically, what, $20, $30? Because <laughs> there's no need for the HD ticket if you haven't got an HD TV. <laughs> yes. So well, it still myself, doesn't work out very flash. <laughs> I'd save myself a lot more than that by not having it at all. Well, exactly. I mean, what's the point? You know, you've got free TV. You've got you've already got the box that allows you to record it with the ITV. Um, I... I Personally, I, I don't. And you know, the big thing I have too with Sky is the big selling point when Sky came out was the fact that there was no ads. Now there's probably more ads on on uh, pay TV than there is on free TV. So you know, I, I agree one. with that. So okay, yeah, now now the, with ITV, I can't watch Sky in HD because the only way I can get Sky into ITV is through an SVHS input. Nah. Right. Yep. So I I can't watch the HD content on Sky with an ITV. Um, it's all still standard definition. But the fact of the matter is that I can record the programs. Yeah. Because I can select, you know, I can I can download an uh, electronic program guide, so I can select, you know, a movie at eight thirty, and there's the information goes into, you know, it, it goes into the program. What do you call it? The schedule. Mm-hmm. What I have to do is change the channel that it's recording because you don't want it to record from Sky Movies 1 because it's uh, just a lot of wavy lines. Just change it to the S-Video input in, and, and there you go. So there's a, it's, a, it's a little workaround, but the fact is that you, you're you not having to write information and, and lots of, in order to record it. And it's not in HD, but then... Mm. Probably no. doesn't really matter so much, really. Anyway, I, to be honest, I, I'm I'm a little bit up in the air about HD. I've seen a lot of things, and yeah, it makes it a little bit crisper. But really, when you're engrossed in the story, you don't really care about whether or not you can see some guy's wart or you know a dimple <laughs> in his skin or or something like that. I, I think it's a little bit of um, you know marketing um, junk, really. But yeah, you know, I think I think a lot of it is um, you know there's, there's there's uh, programs out there that it's suited for, like, you know, nature programs, for example. Mm. It's a TV. 
would be fantastic in HD. You know, there's, there's certainly things that would look better in HD. And and I've seen, uh, when I lived in Australia, I remember going into the JB Hi-Fi shop and looking at the, the HD loops that they had there, which were just fantastic. And they were just loops of nature scenes and, 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 and sweeping shots over cities and what have you, but it just looked like you were looking through a window. Uh-huh. When everything, you know, when, when all the lines, sorry, when all of the... Um, the squares matched up and it was, you know, eight shot in HD and shown in HD and all of that sort of thing. And there was no upscaling or side scaling or this, this, that, and the other. It just looked fantastic, but which is great for that. But then I don't want to see, you know, CSI. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. What was the one we watched last night? Lie to me was an HD. And like I said, I don't have an HD TV, but yes, nice, clear picture. The big benefit to me was the surround sound. I, I far prefer to have that, quite frankly, you know, and it doesn't matter whether it's in HD or not. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. I mean, it, it's generally, um, if it's in the later Dolby that they um, distribute it, it's being 5.1 surround sound anyway, and as you say, you know, pretty much any TV can handle that these days. Um, and if not, you just basically work the outputs into... Um, uh, into a stereo which can handle it, so you know. that's, yeah, that's what I'm doing. So mm. yes, so I I, I don't recommend. <laughs> I, don't, this, I don't see that there's there's not a lot of point in the mice guy by the sounds of it. No, I I, you, I think we're already better off with what we got. And I, and I don't think you can keep the stuff forever either. You know, even if you do record an HD movie, I think it only lasts a week or a month or something, and then it disappears. Yeah, yeah not, which, which I, but I'm, I'm not I'm not 100 sure about that. So. I got a funny feeling it does disappear. I think probably because of you know hard drive space, it clears it and all that. But you know, it's a service that you pay for, sort of thing. And and I don't think you really get your money's worth out of it. No, and that's I think that's the other thing with uh, TiVo as well is that you're limited to the hard drives. Mm. You know, the hard drive they put in it. Mm. So yeah, you're going to run out of space. And I, you know, when you're looking at what is it? Uh, it's 2.7 gig a minute. No, can't be right. An hour. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be about right. Yeah. An hour, an hour for for you know um, full quality H what dot two uh, dot two six four video with the uh, surround codec as well as the um, just a normal double AC one as well. Yeah. So you know it gets up there. It gets up there a lot. I've got a, I've got a terabyte of hard of hard drive space connected to the Mac Mini with the television, you know, and, and, and two five hundred gig drives, ones that does all the recording, and then another one which has the stuff I want to keep on it, you know. Uh-huh. And it's certainly you know, I've only had this for just over a year, and I'm looking at oh five or six hundred gig. So there's a lot, you know. It gets and it gets going pretty quick. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> if you, and you say if you want to keep it. The, the the thing with with um, ITV as well is that you can shrink it down to iTunes size, so you can actually you know run it through. It's got its own bits and pieces in it, so you can you can uh, make it into a smaller file if you want to, yeah. um, if you want to keep. One thing I noticed with the the um, Elgato package, apparently, well, I don't know whether or not included in your disc, but. Um, Apparently, it also comes with a light version of Toast, Roxio yes, it does. Toast. That's right, it does. So you can basically go straight to TV, uh, sorry, DVD if you wish to. That's right. It's 
throw it right out of the yeah, right out of the box. I've never done it, but you can. I, I know that you can. I I have a um, toast anyway, mm-hmm. um, but I've never tried it. Although I have, um, I have made DVDs of stuff that I've recorded from the TV um, yep. for um, a friend of mine who, who wanted it. It was something that he was in, <laughs> and he was going to use it as a Christmas present. So I have actually taken it and put it onto DVD, and I think I must have used toast. Can't think of anything else I would have used. Yeah. Well, that leads us nicely into the next section, which is software. So, um, see, we've mentioned toast um, to write to DVD, but um, aside from ITV, which you use, and I use Miglia's um, uh, TV software to to control the the tuner, um, what what sort of software would you use in terms of um, not so much TV, but say getting video off DVDs and um, putting them into a digital format on on a well, I suppose it's digital anyway, but um, onto a um, onto your computer for um, playing sans CD or DVD. Uh, I'm in the middle of it would seem to be a never-ending uh, project of putting all of the DVDs that I own uh, into hard drive. Um, because then they just become backups. And it's simpler with using Front Row to get to movies and TV series and what have you, just you know, like you get to the TV <laughs> if it's all in the same place. And it's all, it's all part of um, my plan of never having to get off the couch ever again. <laughs> uh, and to do that for DVDs and, and, and what have you, I use Mac the Ripper. Yep. And the other one that I use is Handbrake, okay. which converts... Anything to anything, I suppose, when you look at it. All this got different preset codecs for different devices, so I can convert something for Apple TV, I can convert something for an iPod, I can convert something for a PlayStation Portable, and all, all of the different things that you can think of. It will, it'll take the DVD file and, and make it so it'll play on each of any of those devices. Yeah. So, so what version of Mac the Ripper are you using? Are you using the 2.6.6 or are you using the later 3.0? Three, I, I've got both, and I've had more success with 3.0 than I have with 2.6. Mm-hmm. And I think it's to do with the newer, um, what you call it, you know, getting around the, uh, what's, the <laughs> what's, what's the thing they put in the DVD so you uh, can't? Yeah, the, the, the encryption. Encryption, thank you. Yeah. I, think it's, uh, I, I think it's got a better version of that. Uh, Two point six used to crash a lot on me, um, so yeah, I, I do have. I got both, but I'm having more success with three. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I had to play with Mac the Ripper. Um, the the problem I had is is um, well, it seems like the site's down now. So I I don't know if that means that the um, uh, the software is, is completely utterly gone or, you know, if the, the guy's been um, taken down sort of thing. But um, it, it seemed like a, it was taking forever to get a new version out. And I suppose the original Mac the Ripper 2.6.6 and all that, uh, um, they, they were pretty much in the same boat. It took ages to update. Um but I think, you know, with the legal challenges and all that that are floating around with the RIA and the MPAA, 
um, thrown in there, two cents worth. Um, you know, I, I wonder how long the likes of the Mac the Ripper, even though there are legit uses of um, of that software, I wonder how long they're going to last, you know. Um, I mean, Handbrake is, is actually a, a, a good tool in the sense that um, they actually get around the... Um, uh, the copy protection um, issue by not being able to rip DVDs natively um, that are encrypted. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's actually a little trick with uh, um, Handbrake where if you have um, VLC installed in your um, uh, in your applications folder, then what it does is um, Handbrake will actually use the library that comes with VideoLAN to um, basically rip encrypted DVDs um, to pretty much any format that you wish to do so, even um, decrypted DVDs. So, um, you know, while while you download the program um, off the website and it can't do um, encrypted DVDs, you can rip normal DVDs, you know, anything that doesn't have encryption, um, you can rip that, but it's only with VLC that you can actually rip um, the um, uh, all, all the encrypted stuff. So um, that's one way around that. Uh, so do you use Handbrake when you've got a um, uh, an existing, say, AVI or um, MP3 or something like that? To, to oh, sorry, MP. T- to to um, convert or what? Yes, yes, I have done that. Um, I, I I just I tend to make them all into Apple TV or iPod stuff. Really, is what I end up doing purely because I know that it's going to play in a Mac yep. more than anything else. But I mean, I, d- I decide. I, I, you know, I rip a, a movie, and if it has benefit having five dot one, then I'll just pull. You know, just rip the, the whole thing and store it on the hard drive, and it plays like a DVD. Otherwise, I'll just use Handbrake to just make a smaller version of, of the file and, and not really worry about the surround sound. Well, the, the, the Dolby Digital stuff, although the latest version of Handbrake, you can, you can, it'll actually conserve that. So if, if uh, QuickTime ever catches up and plays, you know, the Dolby Digital stuff, it's already in there and, and ready to go. <laughs> Well, supposedly it, it can do. Ever since basically iTunes 8.0 was released, they released QuickTime at the same time, um, and it's supposed to handle all the. Um, uh, I think it goes beyond 5.1. I think it's almost reaching 7.1 surround sound. Oh yeah. Um, that's what they say, whether or not that's the case. I don't know. Maybe you only get that benefit if you're using the um, optical ports on, on the Mac. I don't know. Uh, well, that's, that's what I'm using, and I've not had any luck. But then, yeah, I, I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I've ne- it's the, 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 uh, the digital badge, the 5.1 badge, has not come up on the amp. It usually tells me what the audio is. Um, oh, okay. If it's, it's around in my amp, and it's never come up with anything that has supposedly got the 5.1 sound gone down with it. You know, and it's the same with um, yeah, the Simpsons on Sunday, which was in the, the new widescreen and 5.1. I recorded it, and I I, um, I converted it down to Apple TV today, um, and and retained the 5.1. But when I played it on iTunes, 
it just came up as a normal PCM 48K sort of Dolby, what is it, um, what's the, the false around, the fake around one, can't remember. Um, do, 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 do. <laughs> Sure. Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but everything's in it. You know, left, centre, right, and surround, and what have you. Oh, it's um, not the ProLogic. ProLogic, Pro that's what I'm thinking. ProLogic is what I'm thinking. So. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I might be doing something wrong somewhere, but uh, yeah. yeah is, is, it, is it not a setting in, in ITV or something like that? Because, I mean, obviously, any recording, oh, any oh, conversion I, you do is going to be based on the original. No, it, well, uh, it, it recorded in surround. I know that. It played in surround from ITV, but it's just when it's been, it's been uh, when I rented it down to the Apple TV this afternoon and I tried playing it into, in iTunes, it just played the, no, it just played it in ProLogic as far as I was so concerned. So you convert in the converting from within... Um, ITV, or are you doing the converting through Handbrake? I did the conversion through um, a, another Elgato product called a Turbo .264, which I was going to get to in a minute, which is uh, a little dongle which goes into a USB port on the Mac Mini, which just basically speeds up the process of of um, of making the file smaller. You've got a bunch of preset um, You've got a bunch of presets that are in this program called Turbo.264, one for Apple TV, a high and low resolution iPod and iPhone one. Uh, there's one for a PlayStation. And then you can also use it for things like uploading video to YouTube. Uh-huh. So it does that a bit quicker. It's got its own um, chip in it. And so it's taking a bit of the work right, workload off the computer that you're using. Uh, and that's what I used this afternoon. And there's an option in there where you can just take the stereo stereo audio or 5.1 if it's got it in the recording, which it did. So I didn't use Handbrake for that. Um, okay. um, I used this other this other thing, which also works from within ITV. You can just like highlight a program, hit, hit the Apple TV icon or the iPod icon, and it just converts it for you. It's great. Okay. It seems to take a – well, that doesn't take a long time. I mean, it was a 20-minute program, and it took – 31 minutes to do, yeah, uh, which is pretty good when you consider that it was you know, 1080i and it was 5.1 as well. So there's a yeah. lot of and on a Mac uh, Mini and and on a Mac Mini, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, um, I've been playing around with Video Monkey, which is actually an offshoot of Visual Hub, um, right. which. Uh, I think it was towards the end of last year, start of this year. I can't remember exactly when. Um, but the guy who programmed I, um, uh, Visual Hub had decided that he'd had enough, and um, so he released the code, and it got splintered off into a couple of projects. One of them was a project called Film Redo, um, R-E-D-U-X. Um, but that sort of doesn't seem to have gone anywhere, um, and I can't remember what the other project was, but that seems to have gone into the same place as Film Redo. But um, Video Monkey is is one that's out now, and it um, is pretty much based on the latest code which was released. It, it was a, um, an unreleased version of um, an update to Visual Hub. Um, so it pretty much does what Visual Hub does, and there's a couple of little things that that was sort of released at the same time. Got a 
a cleaner interface and all that sort of thing. Um, so that that actually works pretty well. It needs a little bit of fixing to get it to speed up. I mean, it, it can take some ludicrous times, um, <laughs> even on a MacBook Pro, um, whereas Visual Hub sort of didn't take too long on a on a MacBook Pro. Um, on a Mac Mini, yet it took a wee while. Um, it was one of those things where you set the record and uh, set the convert, and then go and have a sleep sort of thing. Um, <laughs> So yeah, but um, on having said that though, there, there's there was one feature that uh, Visual Hub had that was sort of a little bit hit and miss, um, and that was the joining of video files. Um, and I, I found that to be a little bit hit and miss on on Visual Hub. It, what would happen is it would sort of put the credits in the middle of the the movie, um, <laughs> and then carry on with the bit that you had just joined and then the credits would play again at the end of the movie and it's uh, sort of a bit weird so I got around that using QuickTime Pro um, and just joining the the two using the QuickTime Pro so um, in, in reality I probably used about four or five different um, packages you know QuickTime Pro iMovie um, Final Cut Express and um, Video Monkey uh, um Sort of depending on the task that I'm doing, of, of course. Um, so I'd, I'd use those to to record the video and then um, base, basically flick them off to devices such as um, Apple TV and all that, which, which I do have. Um, I recently purchased one of those last month. Um, and yeah, um, so I kind of I kind of got. Immediacy into that sort of, you know, movies are all on the um, uh, on the Apple TV. I've got all my music and all that sitting on my MacBook Pro, but I've also got a copy sitting on my Mac Mini. Um, so, you know, I've basically got a lot of media everywhere sort of thing. Yeah. I'm using different bits and pieces of software depending on, um, you know, what I'm attempting to, to do with the video sort of thing. But do you, um, can you can you stream media into the Apple TV? Does it or does it have to reside in the hard drive in the Apple TV? Um, no, you can stream it. Um, basically, you just um, share your iTunes library, and then it can hook into the iTunes library without synchronising any of the video. So it'll just stream it straight off the um, the iTunes library. So, for example, if I was to put an Apple TV in here, all of the stuff that I have on external hard drives, I could get to through the Mac Mini, if if that makes sense to you. Um, Through, like, down an Ethernet cable or over an airport network. Yes and no. Like, it wouldn't pick it up off a hard drive directly. No, but what Um, what I mean is it would go through the Mac, it would talk to the Mac Mini down on a network. Yeah, it does it all through iTunes. So if you point iTunes oh. to, because um, you can have your iTunes library sitting anywhere. Oh, okay, so it's kind of like um, front row in that you can actually get to other libraries in front row as well, not just the one that the that you're using. For example, in the Mac Mini, I can get to my iTunes on the MacBook Pro mm-hmm. in front row. I just need to select that as the source. So it sounds like that. Yeah, yeah, basically that, yeah. So long as the library is shared in iTunes, so iTunes has to be running on each of the devices that you want to connect to. 
um, and then you can just hook into those libraries um, and 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 get them that way. Okay, all right. So um, yeah, I quite realise that. Then that sort of doesn't really matter about the hard drive size. Then I suppose to a large extent. Not really. I mean, I, I I hacked mine and stuck 160 gig into it, um, and the only reason I went the 160 was because that was the only one available at the time. Because um, the the problem with the the Apple TV is they're using IDE hard drives as opposed to SATA. Oh right. Um, so if, if I had SATA, uh, if well, if it had SATA, I would have actually worked in a 500 gig, um, and then not worried about um, anything sort of thing. Um, but yeah, you're sort of limited by by the technology that's available there. Um, at the, at the moment, the largest ID that I can think of in two and a half inch size was um, uh, 250 gig. Oh, okay. So not only is it IDE, it's a little laptop sized IDE. Yeah, yeah. You'd never fit a three and a half inch not in that space because you're looking. Oh, it's just under half the thickness of a Mac Mini, or half the height of a Mac Mini. Oh, right. I'm looking at my one right now. Yeah, okay. I have, I have seen them, but I've, yeah, I've, I've just not registered it. I suppose. Hmm. Um, Slight, that slightly higher than the Airport Extreme. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's all the same box, just with different stuff in it. Well, it, it, it's not really because um, it's quite a bit bigger than the Airport Extreme. Um, it, it's probably about um, half the size of the Airport Extreme again. Oh, okay. So, so it's quite a quite a big footprint um, compared to uh, the Airport Extreme. But the, you got to also remember that there's um, unlike the Airport Extreme, it's got RAM, it's got processor, and things like that to yeah. um, sort of do. Uh, one advantage of the keep, Apple TV. Cool. Is, sorry. And keep cool. Uh, yeah, it does tend to get a little bit hot. <laughs> um, but one advantage of the Apple TV is that it, um, you can actually do air tunes through it. So, oh, okay. So you can stream all your music to the airport, uh, Apple TV and then off to your, video, uh, to your stereo. And, and what you mean what you mean by that is that you don't have to have an Airport Express to do that. Is that right? Exactly, yep. So long as it's on the network, so it could be physically wired in, um, you can stream it to the Apple TV and then out to your stereo. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, that, that was a feature that was I, I thought was I, I kind of stumbled across, across it, and then I thought, hey, man, that's actually really, really awesome. Um, so yes, so um, it, it works really well. So, um, which I guess leads us now into the. Um, the section on hardware in terms of... Uh, hang, on, hang on a sec, oh. hang on a sec Darren. What, uh, we should talk about VLC. Oh, VLC, yes. The, the, uh, the alternate DVD player for all of this. You know, I, I do pl- um, use VLC, but to be honest, I, I prefer QuickTime with the Perian plugins. Uh, I think that does a, a hell of a lot better job than... Um, VLC, to be honest. Well, that's actually interesting that you mentioned that because I, sh- I should try playing that Apple TV file that I made today through VLC because that will give me the surround sound. That's I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here. <laughs> um, I haven't had um, very much luck with VLC myself, but last night it worked perfectly for me for the first time when I couldn't get a DVD to play mm-hmm. in the DVD drive of the Mac Mini 
using Apple's DVD player, it didn't see it and just said, error, uh, hit play pause to eject the disc. So I thought, I'll open up DVD, I'll open up VLC and see if it plays in that, and it played in that perfectly. So, you know, it's quite nice having backups for everything. Yeah. Oh, DVD player didn't work, so let's try VLC. Oh, okay, that didn't work. Oh, right, let's try a different, uh, let's try a different DVD drive and see if that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, some, some of the um, software now, um, uh, sorry, the, the DVDs coming out now, they have an extra layer of, of encryption, um, mm. which sort of makes it a little bit tricky to to play um, certain DVDs. Um, and that, that's really probably... Um, until they, the the media, the movie industry and all that sort of get out this idea that um, lots and lots of DRM is the way to go to to protect themselves. Um, you know, I think we're gonna always have a, a case where um, the, the computer players and the um, the DVDs are going to be slightly out of sync. You know, it's really to push. Um, like technologies like Blu-ray and things like that, um, yeah. which you know, I, I personally don't see the point in going Blu-ray. I guess it comes back to that HD thing. You know, the the cost of of the Blu-ray players, the cost of the because um, the thing too, you know, you might have an HD TV, but you're not necessarily got an HD TV that can handle the encryption of the Blu-ray. So, you know, you, you might have this nice flash TV and still not be able to watch HD. Um, and it, it all basically comes down to all this DRM that's, um, you know, everyone thinks is a good idea to have inside all the the um, uh, all the players and all that. And basically, in, in, in the long run, the only ones that really lose out is the customer, the consumer. The only reason for DFA, uh, sorry, Blu-ray, as far as I can, am concerned, is a, is a storage uh, medium. Being a sound engineer and dealing with large sound files all the time, backing them up is, is, is horrendous. You know, when you've got 50, 60 gigabyte projects that, and, you, and you're having to back them up onto four, you know, four and a half, for, for all intents and purposes, gigabyte discs, it takes forever. So having a, having a single disc that can do 40 or 50 gigabytes is fantastic. Yeah, um, but, I, but I would also say too that if 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 your projects are that important, I wouldn't be backing them up to a a, a physical disc like a DVD or a Blu-ray or something like that either. I'd I'd be um, doing what we talked about in the last podcast and have um, backup hard drives and all that, where you get more more value um, per gig of of storage um, than you would. Um, if you went for a, a Blu-ray, because you, you got to remember that the Blu-ray writers and all that, they're still quite expensive. Um, you know, probably four or five times, the, well, not not that much, but probably about two or three times the price of actually getting a hard drive. Yeah. Now, I, this is getting off topic a little bit. Uh, while we talked about doing that, um, our research just discovered that the fail rate for hard drives after five years was far greater than the fail rate for for a disc, whether it be a CD, a DVD, or whatever. Um, plus, the the DVDs were, you know, a little bit more cost effective for the sort of you know, the projects that we were doing. But I, I mean, I do agree with you. And we have to have a bit. We had 
we had two copies. You know, we'd have a copy at the studio and then we'd have a copy that was kept away from the studio as well if the place had been burnt down. And then the, the client would take away a copy so, you you know, you'd have bloody backup weeks <laughs> where you seem to be backing up the same thing forever. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like what uh, Phil was starting off with. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so should we move on to hardware? Yeah, so, so getting back to the hardware, and this, uh, um, this is more in relation to uh, what we play the video files on at the end of it. So um, so, so what do you um, record to? Do you, do you just leave it on your computer and play from there, or do you have other devices? Most of the time, it stays it stays on the computer, and we we watch it. It's um, <laughs> after going on about recording stuff off TV, invariably there's never anything on to watch. <laughs> uh, so we, we we'd watch it on TV, but then I have an iPod Touch as well, which I sometimes put things onto. Um, I watch <laughs> as, as uh, funny as it sounds. I have watched movies whilst on a treadmill at the gym in an iPod Touch, which is a fantastic way to get through an hour's worth of walking or, you know, whatever you're doing. Mm. I listen to podcasts. I listen to the uh, the New Zealand Mac.com podcast whilst I'm at the gym, and I thought, oh, I wonder if I could get away with actually watching a little screen, and it was quite good. Um, and my, my kids quite like, when we, if we go on long car journeys, I'll put some of the, um, you know, some of the kids' uh, programs into the iPod, and they can sit in the back of the car and watch it off the iPods. Oh, Okay. Which is which is also another thing which is quite cool. Yeah, to be able to do. But that that is for, for me. That that's it. I don't really go any further than that. Um, except for that project, of course, putting stuff onto DVD for other people if they want it. Yep. Yeah, I I, I got a number of ways. I, I normally just um, uh, I'll either have have it sitting on the Mac Mini, which is hooked up to the TV, or I'll put it onto the Apple TV. Um, if it's the purchase content, I'll, I'll sync that onto the Apple TV um, and just play it from there. And also with the Apple TV, if you've got an internet connection, you can actually purchase from the Apple TV. So um, I'm using that a lot more now. I mean, I've only had it for a month, so um, sort of still um, filling that up a little bit at the moment. What are your download times like? Um, I'm not too bad. See, we're on. I'm, I'm on Orcon. Um, and I think probably two or three gig. We're looking about hour, hour and a half, two hours. So it's not too bad. Oh, yes, that's all right. I, 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 we, I've done both. I, I, I bought a movie and I've rented a movie. Mm-hmm. And, and after 10 minutes, we were able to watch it and not have it stop. Oh, okay. When we rent it. Yep. Uh, because we had a couple of false starts, I thought, oh, it's downloading now, let's start it and see. And it, and it got through maybe a minute and a half and then it stopped and I thought, oh, okay, it's catching up with itself. Mm-hmm. Let's leave it for 10 minutes. And I specifically timed out 10 minutes because I thought that's going to be more than enough time. And it was. It was, a, what, an hour and 40, the movie? Yep. Um, and, yeah, after 10 minutes we could start playing it and we didn't have another hold up in terms of it catching up with itself. Yeah. Who are you with? Telecom. Oh, okay. Um, which has been much better in the last year than it was the previous year, and I think it might be to do with ADSL too. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> yeah, because you you would be in in Wellington, so you'd be getting decent speeds. I mean, everywhere I'm, I'm, else, their mileage might vary. I'm 800 metres from an exchange as oh, well. There you go. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I'm a little bit away from the exchange. I don't know exactly where the exchange is, but um, it's still still pretty quick for us anyway, so it, it works pretty well. Um, yeah. 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 And we've got a, you know, they, they upped the, um, the limits last year too, so, you know, it's a, I'm on a 40 gig limit a month as well, which is more than enough when it's not baseball season, but it's yeah. more it's more than enough. Um, you know, when I'm not buying a lot of movies, but at least I know that if I want to, I can, and it's not going to run me out of, you know, we're not going to run out of internet before the end of the month. Yep. Yep. Um, well, you mentioned the baseball ones, so I guess we'll just move into picks, um, and you start. All right. I am a uh, baseball fan, um, so the picks are our favourite websites, uh, and my favourite website at the moment is, is MLB.tv or MLB.com, I suppose. Because I am a big New York Yankees fan, I'm able to watch all of the Yankees games, whether they be in New York or wherever they are in America, on the internet. I paid $109 US at the beginning of the season, which gives me the entire season, which lasts six months, plus the off-season, which is another month after that, which gives me the ability to watch the watch the games live or either as streams after, well, after the after the games is finished as streams, but this year, because they're using um, the Flash player, uh, it comes with DVR control, so I can stop it if I want to go make a cup of tea or if something comes up and then I can start it again, I can rewind it. The really good thing is if I, again, if I wait for half an hour after the game started, I can flick through all the innings breaks, which are the ad breaks on TV, which is, just comes up with a slide, so... That's one of my favourite ones. Um, and there's an application for the iPhone called Game Day, which is a way of being – it's an anima, uh, it, which is a – what do you call it? An animated version of that sort of thing. Where you, it, it's, it's just – the statistics come up, plus it has the radio broadcast as well, which I find fantastic. Um, I'm probably one of maybe three people in this country, uh, if, if that <laughs> – um, what's the next one? Oh, the next one is Airfoil, uh, which recently has come into its own as far as I'm concerned because they released an, uh, an iPod version of it. And what Airfoil is, is it's an application that's been around for years, uh, made by Rogue Amoeba, is that right? Who are the people that do the, the recording program? Is it Wiretap? <laughs> I know. Yep. Yep. I know it's not YTAP, is it? It's the other one. Uh, no, they do. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Rogami, but uh, that does YTAP. Um, um, which we're not talking about. We're not talking about, <laughs> talking about yeah. I'm not sure if it's... Anyway, they, they have this program called Airfoil, and what it does is that any sound that can your computer can make, you can send to Airfoil and send it to uh, an Airport Express. Uh, so it's not... It, 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 doesn't just uh, limit you to sending iTunes to your Airport Express. So, for example, uh, if you um, – I, I, here's a good example. Um, the uh, NZ Mac radio widget, I can send audio to the Airport Express and listen to the radio wherever the Airport Express is. But in the last uh, couple of weeks, they introduced an iPhone uh, – sorry, well, iPhone and iPod app which is the uh, called Airfoil Speakers, which 
essentially turns your iPod or iPhone into Express. So you can send the audio from your computer to your iPod on, over the local network. Uh, there's also a computer version of this, so you just download it for free from their website. Um, and I have one of these in the Mac Mini that's in the lounge, so I can listen to music that's in the uh, laptop that lives in the dining room. Um, so you're able to stream and sync any sound that your computer can make anywhere around the house. So, you know, I can listen to radio in the bedroom. I can listen to the music that's in iTunes or, you know, anything. There's a, there's a video bit that goes with it as well because there is a delay that comes with it whilst it goes through the process that it's got to go through. Mm-hmm. And it delays the video, so the video and the audio is in sync. It's got its own little video player in it. And that, it's just fantastic. Does that allow you to, um, like, say, basically turn on all the airfoils in the in the place and send the same stuff out to every single one of them? That's right. That's a very handy tool. <laughs> when I am forced... A lot of the time, having young children, you find you lose control of the TV sometimes. <laughs> and I, what I can do, uh, which I find quite cool, is I can sit on the couch and be with, spend time with my children with a, a headphone in one ear and listening to a podcast that's playing from my uh, computer. That's not in my iPod. I haven't had to download it into my iPod or whatever. And I can listen to it across, this, across the network at home. Uh, and I've done that a couple of times. And um, being able to listen to all of the music that's in my iTunes library rather than the 16 gigabytes that I can fit into the iPod, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, again, and same, same being able to listen to the radio, internet radio. So, you know, I'm a fan of lots of radio stations around the world plus the ones that are in this country. So I can I can do that. Um, the, my other pick is Wonder Radio, which I'll talk about in a second. But... Um, the fact, the fact that I can do that is just, it's just fantastic. Um, and then the other, the, the other cool thing is when you're just you're doing things throughout the entire house, set the iTunes going, and then you can have it playing out of every, you know, every, every set of speakers that you've got going in the house yep. without having to have an Airport Express. I know it's, um, the, the um, Express does other things, but in terms of AirTunes, it's just it's fantastic. It really is. It's, I, I highly recommend it. It's 25 US dollars, I think, to buy. Obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but uh, you need to have the airfoil application on on one computer in order for all the rest of it to fall into place. There's no point in, in downloading the iPod app and expecting it to... Uh, and, and expecting it to magically work because it doesn't work if you don't have the uh, application. Exactly. You'd have to have a server to start off with, which would then push it out to everything else. Um, and, yeah, I will talk about Wonder Radio as well, which is an application, again, for iPhones or iPods, which is essentially internet radio. Any internet radio station that I've been able to think about, think of, um, is in this app, so you can listen to uh, you know, national radio. Any, any of the stations in this country that I can think of come up in this one. I've gone through three other radio applications in, for an iPod that um, have all failed as far as I'm concerned because I can't get particular radio stations because they are streaming and, you know, the Windows Media or whatever the other ones are that the, this particular application doesn't do. Wonder Radio um, does everything, any radio station I can think of, plus things like police scanners in America. It also does air traffic control from all around the world. You can listen to air traffic controllers, which is fascinating 
um, if you've got nothing better to do, or if you've got trouble sleeping. In fact, uh, just just put that on. You'll be asleep. You'll be asleep pretty pretty quickly. But but it's it is uh, again. It's a if, if you're interested in radio and wanting to listen to radio on your iPhone or your iPod. Um, it's a fantastic application. So that picks up any radio station that is broadcast through the net. Through the net, that's right. It's not a not like an FM radio. Yeah. It's an internet radio player, I guess is what you'd call it. Yeah, so say likes of The Rock and more FM and all that. That's right, yep. yeah. So that, that's quite handy too. Cause so just, well, I did, you know, it comes with... Preset stuff in there. It's an American app, I guess. Um, it comes with preset stuff in there. All I did was write National Radio New Zealand, and it came up with everything it thought that was. And the top one, Radio New Zealand, Radio New Zealand International, Radio New Zealand Concert, and there they all were. You know, and, and I was putting obscure ones and you know the small little, um, the small little regional station that there might be in in, in sort of South Napier, and there it was. You know, it, it's got a great. Um, it's not just the fact that it can find the stations. It's the fact that it can play it. Yeah. It, ha- it has the ability, because there's the three different flavours of encoding or whatever it is. You've got, what, New Player, Windows, and QuickTime. Yep. It, can, it can play all three, whereas the other applications that I tried, it would do one and not the others. So you'd get some but not all. Oh, so um, do Windows Media. It has to, because that's how... Uh, you know, Radio New Zealand broadcast or yep. uh, internet broadcast, and it, and it gets that. So. Oh, wow, that's really amazing because not even um, QuickTime can sort of handle that format unless you got the, um, uh, was it the Flip for Mac plugin? That's right. So, yeah, no, that, this that's is, quite interesting. This is a really cool thing. It's it's eight bucks, I think. I paid for it, and I was sort of humming and ahhing about it because it was on <laughs> for an, if you know, for a iPod app. It was on the expensive side. Things, and I was going, oh, I've been burnt a couple of times here. Should I really try this one? And I'm just reading and rereading it and saying it said that it did all the stuff that I, you know, hoped that it would. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'll get it, and uh, we'll see what happens. And I've been, you know, I've been blown away by. It. I, I don't <laughs> very, you know, I don't use a wireless very much anymore with various iPod. Um, speaker, you know, speaker dot things around the house. I'm just slapping this thing into the kitchen to listen to the radio in the morning, and then you know, um, and and then at night time I listen to radio as well. And it's usually just the internet, nice. especially now you know, with, the, with the large, as I said before, with the, you know having the large um, download limits now, it's, it's nothing to to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, audio that sort of audio is not going to take much to. Um, to do anyway, um, it'll be what is it? Twenty. Generally, they transmit them out at twenty-four kilobits a second. So. Oh, I suppose that's the other thing I should mention is that it does. Um, you know, you can listen to it over the th- over three G. Oh yeah. And, and select the streams. I can't put it right there. The iPod. So I. Oh, there it is. Um, so you can select if it's got. Sometimes it's got more than one stream. Uh, you can select. It, it, I, I, I guess it. No, you've got to pick it yourself. So um, if I was to let's do this with National Radio, it will go over each and it'll go over three G, and I can change the bit rate if it's got more than one option. So if I load those up, bit rate choices for Radio New Zealand. I've got. I can run a Windows. Uh, what is it, Windows Media? 
at 3G and 64 kilobits. And then I've also got a real player, which will, which will play over edge at 24 kilobits. So it's quite cool. I'm talking to myself. Am I talking to myself? No. Nope. Oh, no, you are. <laughs> I just, I thought I'm, I'm intently got... wrapped in what you're saying. <laughs> oh, yes. yes, well, so, so it'll play, you know, and, and I know the data limits on uh, iPhones are, are slightly less um, large than what I'm talking about, so I don't know what. Yep. It'd probably end up costing you a bit of money if you wanted to listen to the radio on your iPhone while you were driving in your car. Yeah. But still, you know, the, the, the fact is you can do it. Yep. Um, and that's that's it for me. Okay. For this one. Um, well, my, to be honest, I kind of forgot a couple of the... Um, uh, the picks that I had from when we first did this, because it sort of all blew up last time. Um, I do remember one, however, Bento. Um, Bento uh, is a database application created by FileMaker, which is a subsidiary of Apple. Um, and it's a, ha- a very handy little database. I mean, it, it sort of sits in, its, in a class of its own. It's sort of not really... You know, you, you can't really call it the baby brother of FileMaker because, um, you know, FileMaker's in a, in a completely different league. But um, for the sort of needs that I have, uh, I want a database for it, it's absolutely perfect. Um, I use it for my job updates at work um, so that I don't have to carry around millions of bits of paper, which inevitably get lost and, and, and uh, um, you know, not updated sort of thing. Um, and bef- I had been using the desktop version for um, well, a good, well, basically since I got it in October, um, I worked out a couple of things with, a, you know, um, relational databases and things like that, managed to get that all up and running. But um, last month, ben- uh, sorry, FileMaker released Bento for the iPhone, um, and that has I've basically been using it ever since I got got it. It's been um, it's more or less replaced my my MacBook Pro as my ability to carry around the data because you know instead of carrying around a laptop, still all I have to do is carry around my iPhone, uh, which I've generally got with me because I got my um, uh, I'm using it for work. Um, and so basically any information I need for a job is right there at my fingertips. Um, uh, it, it does have its limitations. It, while it can read a relational database, it can't create or write to a relational database field. Um, so you, you're kind of limited in that way and you can't create... Is, is that, sorry, is that, is that a limitation of the current iPhone, iPod software or is, it, or is that something that won't do... It's hard to say. I mean, uh, to be honest, I don't know how powerful SQLite is, um, which is the database back end of um, the iPhone. Um, I I think it's probably a a limitation of Bento itself um, in the sense that um, they've probably limited it for a specific reason, i.e. just to ensure that the main application is up and running and then they'll release... Um, you know, the ability to edit later on, uh, which I think is actually a good move. Um, they haven't really limited its usefulness. Um, Bento it's on the iPhone itself can be used as a standalone application. Um, 
so you can create your basic databases. Um, and there's about, I think there's about 22 templates that, that come with uh, Bento on the iPhone. So you, you've got a broad range of um, uh, databases that you can create. And, of course, you can create your own um, uh, fields and all that based, uh, you know, built on top of um, that database. Uh, where it does get quite powerful is it has the ability to sync between Bento on the desktop with oh, Bento what? on the iPhone. So um, I, I find it's easier to do a lot of the work on the um, uh, on the desktop, create the database, do all your relational database f- fields, create the fields, that is, add data into those relational fields, and then sync to the iPhone and then um, basically I've got all that information in the hand and then all I'm having to do really is do the job updates, uh, which is the manual part of the database that I'm using. Um, and it's so simple to do it on the iPhone. Like literally you'd um, – because it uses the dials for the time uh, on the on the iPhone, so you have a dial for the hour, dial for the minute sort of thing. Um, basically, what I find is um, I go into the into the time. Uh, it's already got the current time in there, so you go back, and that's ed- uh, added that in there. So basically, you're only really hitting two buttons to enter in the time. Um, so you know the the bit that takes the time would be entering in the job de- uh, update details that you've done. You know, like oh, I replaced the CD-ROM drive or, or whatever. Um, so Bento for iPhone has become probably the most used application bar iTunes itself on my iPhone. It's just been an absolute workhorse, and FileMaker have done themselves absolutely proud with with that application. I mean, ever since I got Bento on the desktop, I thought this would make a wicked-as iPhone application, and obviously um, FileMaker agreed with me on that one. <laughs> Um, and yeah, they, they yeah they they need the um, big pat on the back for that one. Um, I guess my other two picks um, were they they were basically released. Well, one of them, Sims Three on the iPhone, was released a day or two ago, um, and that basically it's. It's sort of a slimmed-down version of the desktop, but it doesn't leave out any of the desktop gameplay. Um, so basically, you can control your Sims from from your iPhone and have a you know good play around with, with that. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't appear to sync with the desktop version of the Sims, which is. I was going to ask that. <laughs> yeah, that that's my other pick. That was just released today. Um, uh, well, technically yesterday, but um, you know it is is the states that we're sort of relying on here, so they're a day behind us. Um, Living in the future, man. Yeah, yeah, you know it's pretty much like the the present. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the the um, the Sims Three is just a fantastic game. I'm, I mean, I, I've been playing it pretty much before we started this podcast tonight. <laughs> Um, I, I downloaded it at work today, um, all four and a half gig of it, so don't let the boss know. <laughs> but um, he's, uh, yeah, the, it, it's a, a fantastic game. I mean, I, I, when Sims first came out um, all those years back, I, I was sort of like, oh, you know, that's just 
typical, you know, America being the voyeur sort of nation, you know, they're into all their reality TVs and things like that. And then I, I can't even remember how I... I think I just took the plunge and said, oh, I'm going to buy this, see what happens. And then I just got hooked on it. It was such a fantastic game. Um, I didn't get the... I didn't get Sims 2 uh, because at the time I had an iBook so it wouldn't play. I had the Mac Mini and it wasn't fully supported because of the Intel graphics card as opposed to the NVIDIA or ATI. So I never really went for Sims 2 and the problem is the Sims wouldn't work on the Intel Macs because they hadn't ported it over at that time. <laughs> so basically when I sold my iBook I, um, I sold off the Sims with it because um, I, I felt that it wasn't really going to be a much benefit running in Rosetta I didn't really want to go there um, so now that I've got the MacBook Pro with the NVIDIA graphics card on it um, I, I just I just love the Sims the Sims is, Sims 3 is just a fantastic game you know all, all the stuff that was there in Sims 1 plus a few of the features of Sims 2 have sort of been all rolled into one um, brilliant game so on, on iPhone and the, the MacBook Pro it works fantastically I'll ask the same question as I asked before do you think in the future they will talk you know, the iPhone version will talk to the desktop version? I seriously hope so. I I thought that if they did that, that would be the coolest. That would make Sims 3 just the primo game because, um, you know, you, you could play around at night on uh, with your Sim and get them all up and running and all that. And then, you know, when you've got some downtime at work or something, you know, over lunch or something, you can carry on with your Sim on your iPhone and then sync it back and, and all that. I I think at the moment, like, there's a big push to getting the Sims working um, kind of like cloud-based computing. You know, you can buy stuff off the website and, and download it into the thing. But at the moment, it seems to be a bit flaky. I don't know if it's because it's like a, a new release game. Um, the the webbing just seems to be real bad. Like, there's a city I've been trying to download all day and I can't do it. Um and I think it's probably just because the game's so new that there's so many people just hounding the servers and they can't download everything properly. Either that or it, um, it doesn't seem to... Uh, it, it appears to be regionalised because there's a New NewZealand.MySims.com uh, or MySims3.com, I think it is. Um, so I'm, I'm picking it to regionalised service, so it may be that um, some of the features aren't actually available necessarily in the country at the time sort of thing. So there might be that sort of... Fl- kind of like what happens with Apple when they'll update the American site, but it'll take a wee while to flow down to the other countries. Um, yeah, right. So uh, I think if they sort the back-end stuff out... Um, because you're supposed to be able to upload your sims, but I haven't been able to upload my sim to my my page yet. So um, I, I think it will be a feature, and, and I think there's that possibility where you can um, sort of work between the the desktop and the and the um, uh, um, the the iPhone and all that. So I hope that comes. If it does, that would make the game just the penultimate um, sort of release. Um, you know, and and as I say, the iPhone game is absolutely well done. Um, they they've put a lot of effort into it. It works really smoothly. The graphics are really good. Um, 
crashes a couple of times, um, so they'll need to patch that up a, a bit. So there's there's probably a couple of times where you're going to have to reboot your iPhone. Um, but I, I think, you know, it, it is a reasonably intensive sort of a game, so that, that was bound to happen. Um, and EA being EA, you know, they um, they tend to make a, quite a bit of bloatware and all that um, and then sort of will it down over successive releases. Um, so hopefully one day they'll bring Command & Conquer to the iPhone. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> You'll never get out. Well, uh, yeah, I don't have a life anyway, so... Do <laughs> <laughs> you have much of a commute to your job? Uh, yes, but I, I don't think I'll be playing Sims while I'm driving to work. Oh, OK, all right. So keep <laughs> driving. No, well, what, you know, they're going to ban you from doing anything other than breathing and looking straight ahead if, you know, what I heard on the news today is anything to go by. Yeah, but it should be. I mean, seriously, mate, driving between Upper Hutt and Wellington is the scariest thing. You know, you're seeing people put on their makeup and read the newspaper. Oh, no, I, I know. I, I, <laughs> from that point of view, I understand, but, I, the, you know... Phone calls on hands-free devices. I have, a, like, a hands-free device in the car. Yeah. Because I, I refuse to talk on the phone if I had to take, you know, concentrate on trying to keep the damn thing under my ear. But texting yeah. is just... Oh, anyone that texts, you know, should have their licence taken off them and, and with no chance of it being given back, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. What do you think you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know. Anyway, that's, that's a long way off topic. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess that brings us to the end of the podcast. Um Hopefully this version will be recorded nicely, um, unlike our previous attempt. Um, it's leaner. <laughs> yeah. Leaner one. It's a little bit more on time, so Phil might be a little bit pleased with that. Um, so anyway, from Andrew and myself, I'd like to thank you all for, for listening to us. It's a, a, a very trimmed-down version. Um, Phil and Dave, who um, normally do the podcast, they they decided to opt out because they weren't really um, too au fait on all the um, the TV and, and digital video side of things. So um, so it was just Andrew and us. So thank you very much for bearing with us, and uh, keep subscribing to the podcast. Don't forget to continue. Uh, going to the nzmac.com website and also its sister site nziphone.com and we'll leave it there so good night the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest presenter and do not necessarily represent those of nzmac.com